0: This is a warning to those tuning in to Conjuring Curiosities. This podcast might contain graphic explanations of death and disease, incidents of violence, discussions of injury in extreme depth, infant mortality, and possible mention of other topics and practices throughout the Victorian era that might unsettle, disturb, or possibly harm you and your mental health. If you think yourself steadfast enough, then get comfortable. And thank you for tuning in.
1: Welcome to Conjuring Curiosities, a podcast that delves into the weirdest and most macabre history of the Victorian era. My name is Clara Herbert. And I'm Sabrina, the
0: modern day witch.
1: Thank you for tuning into our third episode. How are you enjoying
0: learning about the Victorian era so far, Sabrina? It's actually fun. I just keep talking about it all the time to my friends and my coworkers. I'm like, did you know that mummy brown is literally like the paint color is made from mummies? And they're like, what the hell? Yeah, it's fun.
1: Yeah, I every time I write the episode, I have a moment where I'm like, "Is this actually boring? Like, am I just crazy and this is not even interesting?" And then your reactions,
0: I'm I'm always like, "Okay, thank God." So I, <laughs> I <laughs> no, it's true because honestly, I I told you at the, the first episode, I cheated my way through history. I don't <laughs> know anything about history. I'm so sorry about that, but uh, this is great. Yeah, I mean, I definitely
1: had a time, you know, when I was younger where I thought that it was weird and stupid that we were learning history like I didn't understand why and then the more that I learned about it not only is do I think it's important to learn it's also like crazy like it's insane
0: what we did you know I know no I know honestly being friends with you is like tuning into the history channel so it's kind of <laughs> great that's like such a compliment <laughs> thank you you're, you're welcome. blushing.
1: <laughs> okay So, last week, we discussed mummies and their various uses in the 1800s, and one of those uses, like you said, was the pigment mummy brown. But that wasn't the only color Victorians did crazy things to get. It's simple nowadays to get any color that's possible for our eyes to see, but of course, it wasn't that easy at all until very recently. In medieval times, it was actually illegal for people of lower classes to wear certain colors and fabrics, because they were very hard to get and expensive, so it was a clear indication of wealth if you were wearing it. They were part of sumptuary laws, which prohibited consumption of many different kinds of things. Basically, if a peasant somehow got their hands on certain fabric or certain colors of fabric, they were considered to be impersonating higher classes. People in higher classes were also banned from wearing certain things as well, as they were specifically reserved
0: for royalty. Ooh, like blue, bursar?
1: That was one of them, for sure. Yeah, royal blue. That was a hard one. (laughs) Yeah, that's what gave it away, (laughs) honestly. That's the one thing I do know, potentially. Yeah, there's one other royal color that I'll explain. There were even assigned colors for different members of royalty within certain cultures, essentially to color code them. Korea had a particularly interesting system for all the wives and kids of the king. Kind of handy for other people to know who is what role, but also really stifles your fashion choices. I can't say I feel particularly bad for nobility, though. Yeah
0: imagine having to wear purple like every day i mean i would be totally fine with that i fucking love purple okay fine imagine wearing like neon yellow every day yeah that was that was kind of well I not would neon but Ill. that was yeah it was oh, like no. you're this position
1: of wife and you're this position of wife and then you're this kid but you're an Ill- illegitimate child of the king so you're this color like it was a whole system
0: This kind of reminds me of like the Holocaust and how they had to wear those different patches for different status or different things like that. That's kind of crazy.
1: Yeah, actually, I didn't put it in the notes, but the whole thing where Jewish people are required to wear a certain symbol or a certain color actually started way before the Holocaust. Like in medieval times, that was a thing. There were certain (sighs) um, cultures where Jewish people were required to wear something or both Jewish people and Catholic or Christian people or whatever were required to wear different, you know, things to label themselves. At one point, uh, Jewish people had to wear like bells. It was oh, the whole thing. Yeah. Oh my
0: God, why?
1: The rarest color for a long time was purple. And at one point, only the Roman
0: emperor was allowed to wear it. I said purple. Okay. You said blue. I'm... No, I, the first color I said was purple. Imagine having to wear purple every day. Oh, I was like, yes. I fucking love purple.
1: You wouldn't be allowed to wear purple. Because that was like so expensive. So, only like literally the top royalty king, whatever.
0: I'm a rebellious Aquarian. I will do <laughs> what I want. <laughs>
1: And you'll get uh, your hand and, you, and you'll get your hand cut off for it probably. You know? <laughs> oh, fine. Um, so there was a difference between the kind of purple you would get when you mix blue and red dyes and what was called Tyrian purple, which was very expensive <laughs> because it was made by boiling thousands of snails for multiple days. Oh, what the fuck? the snails didn't start out purple which really makes me wonder who figured that one out in the first place yeah a serial killer that's who like who was just sitting there just like boiling snails and we're like wait
0: they're kind of it's been two days and they're like kind of purple now that's weird like (laughs) uh yeah i honestly have no idea who would be doing that that's so weird imagine just like going for your daily stroll picking up all these snails and boiling them
1: (laughs) Yeah, so it was, like, incredibly expensive, so only the Roman emperor could wear that specific purple. It wasn't until the 1850s that someone figured out a better way to make purple and made it more available to the general public. But there was another color that eluded fabric dyers for centuries, and when a new way to make it came around, even though the chemical used was already known to be poisonous, people denied it was harmful because they were getting so much money from it. Can you guess what color people were making so much money from, Sabrina? Green. Yup. Mm. Can you tell us a bit about what the color green
0: represents? In, like, a spiritual sense? Yes. Yeah, well, it's associated with abundance, luck, also fertility, grounding, earth sign. I, I don't know, I use green candles a lot in abundance spells or, like, any green crystals, like a green aventurine, or jade, like nephrite jade, even.
1: Yeah, so abundance,
0: a.k.a you want me money, money. <laughs> <laughs> that's fucking <laughs> the meme okay oh. the law and order oh One yeah, is yeah, like, yeah. Boom. give me a fucking money <laughs> it is like that girl give me your fucking money <laughs> the little baby girl oh that's throwing the baby yeah yes, she's like, give yeah. me a fucking money <laughs> maybe if i do it more theatrical you'll fucking understand yeah for sure okay.
1: um yeah so green talking about green. I think it's especially interesting that a color that is so abundant in nature is so hard to turn into a natural pigment. And I think that's part of why people were so obsessed with this new green when it was invented, because it really looks like the color of leaves and nature. And before then, they couldn't really achieve that in clothing. They
0: couldn't just extract the chlorophyll from leaves? No, somehow that is not you can't turn that into a dye. You can. Okay, look, okay, I literally did it. You literally get a piece of cloth, you put a leaf there, you put another piece of cloth, and you hammer it, and it stamps it. The chlorophyll, it's like a chlorophyll shadow print. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm,
1: I don't know the exact specifics of it, but there's clearly a reason why they couldn't do that. Otherwise, they definitely would have done that, right?
0: (laughs) They should have just done that. But they're going to boil snails for two hours, but they can't figure out how to do a fucking chlorophyll stamp. Give me a break. (laughs) So, yeah, I don't know the exact
1: reasoning why, but at least at the time, they didn't have the ability to take leaves and turn them into fabric dye. They couldn't. It didn't work. Mm, whole um, snow
0: thing it's just mind-boggling still <laughs> i know
1: yeah I, d- I was i was also curious about that but i didn't really look into the reasoning behind it i just assume like as much as i'm making fun of people in the past for doing stupid things people weren't actually stupid and there was a lot of innovation so if there was a way at the time to do it i'm sure they would have figured it out how to use leaves but they couldn't for whatever reason yeah
0: i know they just didn't have the whole wikihow how photos you know <laughs> this fucking wikihow. Yeah, they had, um, wiki ask the Pope. (laughs) (laughs) Can I get an amen?
1: (laughs) So yeah, for a long time, green was expensive because the fabric had to be dyed yellow and then overlaid with blue, usually turmeric and then indigo. Mm. The color was pretty, but usually they could only really get a dark green. This new green called Sheila's green was sort of a lime green. It could be very vibrant or more of a pretty pastel. I'll show you some pictures of the difference, and I'll post them on our Instagram.
0: Let me guess, Sheila created Sheila Green. <laughs> um, actually, I'll address that in a moment. She let her you go get the best of her. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, uh, okay. I
1: like that green a lot. So that was the green before, but you could you couldn't have like a light green like that was very expensive fabric because that was like the best you could do and it is very pretty but you couldn't have light green you know and so this the next photo i'm sending is a photo of a dress that was made with sheila's green with the new green
0: you know the term if it ain't broke don't fix it you you really just like the first green <laughs> i like the first green the second green is just bad it's like a poly pocket color like it's like what you would get as a poly pocket skirt yeah, that's fair. But you have to think at the time, like,
1: they never were able to have that color green before in a dress. They couldn't. So this was like a new thing. And it looked more like colors that you would find in nature, like light leaves and stuff. There's a whole thing about um, people who now were living in more cities being like, oh, we need nature in our lives. So they wanted all this green in their lives.
0: Don't get me wrong. I like a good lime green. But this dress is knotted. <laughs> I just think it's feral. I don't that's know. That's hilarious. Sorry. No, that's... that's. Oh, and I hearted it. Damn
1: it. That's... No, that's fair that you have that opinion. You would have been uh, safe. You would have been much safer. So there's a reason why we're talking about this specific green today. And it's because there was a very poisonous chemical that was needed to be used to make it. Ooh. One of the classic poisons, you might say. Do you have any guess? Oh, from back in the day yep cyanide the other one not that one (laughs) there's multiple yeah i know no but like there's two that i
0: think of and cyanide is one of them okay cyanide what does it start with just give me what does it start with don't say the word though a ass (laughs) Ass. the dangerous chemical Uh. ass (laughs) it is dangerous um acid no, you don't have to guess. It's oh, okay. Oh fuck! That's gonna piss me off. What is it? It was arsenic. Oh god! How did I not think of it? that? To- it's totally. <laughs> Wait, let fine. me guess. Arsenic. <laughs> I'm not keeping. <laughs> keep I'm not it, keep it. changing it for keep you. It. No. Arsenic. I guessed it. <laughs> did you ever work with arsenic in the lab? No, I don't think so. No, I definitely did not. I worked with isocyanides at a factory. <laughs> So dangerous, definitely not related. Sorry. (laughs) Oh, okay. I don't know enough about what. Hold on. Can I just really quick look up arsenic? No, no, just arsenic, like the chemical compound. I'm gonna explain it in a second. I'll explain it, and then you can look it up. The chemistry behind it. Yeah. Okay. Give it to me, sort of. Yeah. yeah. No, you're not. I'm not looking it up. You are looking. No, hold on. I'm not looking at any like. Arsenic, um, chemical. Oh, boy. Okay. Oh, sulfur and metals. Okay, stop, stop,
1: stop, 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 no, I'm be... going to explain it in a okay. second. Okay, that'd be good for witchcraft. Okay. So everyone was already quite aware it was poisonous, which is surprising for Victorian times because they didn't fully understand most of the things that were killing them, but before it was used to make green, it was widely used as rat poison. Okay, yes, yeah. I did know that. That it was rat poison? Mm-hmm. I'm going to backtrack a little bit to explain how arsenic was used before the 1800s. I found it really confusing to figure out what happened when, so I'm just doing it chronologically for the most part. Okay. So we started using arsenic as a poison, but also as medicine an incredibly long time ago. I'm talking 300 BC. I guess for a long time, people considered it to be okay in moderation while being aware of the fact that it could totally kill people that's such a human thing <laughs> it is it really is Let's I, see how far we can push ourselves <laughs> yeah like no like oh. technically it's bad but not for me because it's convenient so why is it convenient what do you mean by that because it's useful Oh, okay. So arsenic, as a naturally occurring chemical, is not super poisonous, but in the Industrial Revolution, when they started ramping up production on materials like metal, the smelting process created a byproduct referred to as white arsenic, which is quite toxic.
0: Mm-hmm. Is that what you found when you looked it up? No, no. I was just gonna say though, but heating anything will change like the chemical compound a little bit. I would say.
1: Yeah, so it was both like in the mines and in the process of smelting, more of it would be produced.
0: That's scary.
1: when all this arsenic started to pile up smelters had to figure out a good use for it and there was a pretty bad rat problem at the time so that's how they started using it as rat poison and then in 1775 carl wilhelm scheele <laughs> invented a new incredibly vibrant green color and you'll understand this so i did add the chemicals here it was made by heating sodium carbonate Adding arsenous oxide, stirring until the mixture was dissolved, and then adding a copper sulfate to the final solution,
0: which is a mouthful. Do you recognize those chemicals, Sabrina? I've definitely used um, sodium carbonate in the lab. It's like also known as soda ash. Have you heard of that? Oh, yeah, I have heard of that. Yeah. For sure. What was the next one? Arsenous oxide. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, arsenous oxide was t- used to make medicines, as you were just talking about. Mm-hmm. It is used to keep animal skin safe, too. Making glass and paint. Yes. And uh, okay. Okay, yeah, da, 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 da. I won't. It's too much. Ooh, trioxide. What was the last one? Copper sulfate. I think eight means that there's three. <laughs> oh no, two in this one. Oh, because you have to balance it. Because it was four minus. Okay. Anyways, yeah. So copper sulfate is also like a fungicide, herbicide in both agriculture and non-agricultural settings. Yes. Okay.
1: You're banned from googling anything else. Okay. So talking about Schiele, pretty much the whole time researching this, I was pronouncing his last name in my head as Schiele, but I'm really glad I double-checked because it's a German name, so it's effectively closer to Sheila, like you said. It's like Shele.
0: Schiele sounds like Spanish. It, it's, yeah,
1: I'm not really pronouncing it properly. It's spelled S-H-E-E-L-E. Sheila. Schiele. Oh, Schiele. Schiele. There's like an Scheele. extra syllable on there that I was not anticipating. Schiele. Sheila. I'm not going to say it perfectly correct <laughs> but back if from I really go
0: and speaks in Spanish. She'll <laughs> If I really
1: fuck it up then you correct me but I'm trying my best. Here. <laughs> I'm German if you can not tell. <laughs> also, the articles that talk about Sheila's green don't mention his <laughs> It's going to be a it's going to be a problem. Sheila's
0: green? Sheila's No. It's Schiele. not Sheila's. I know wait, the uh, like really quiet at the end. Sheila. Sheila. Oh my god, can't continue I knew it was German at the beginning
1: It's, we yes Why do you say Scheiße? Why does, that doesn't apply here The uh at the end
0: Schille 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 Schille. uh is almost silent but not Schille 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 Schille. This is
1: going great (laughs) I only have to say it like 50 more times It's fine Oh (laughs) god Also, the articles that talk about Sheila's green don't mention... I'm just going to say Sheila's. Fuck it. I'm saying Sheila's. It's just going to be easier for everyone, but we're going to acknowledge that it's incorrect. I'm acknowledging that Sheila's not correct. Sheila is not correct. I'm going to say it because I just can't. I can't try every time and be wrong. Okay. Also, the articles that talk about Sheila's greed didn't mention his other scientific discoveries at all, but I thought you would find them really fascinating, Sabrina. This same guy discovered oxygen, another one I'm going to have a problem pronouncing, molybdenum. You're looking at me as if I could decipher that. Mm. <laughs> it's like, it looks like Molly B. denim <laughs> Molybdenum. Molybdenum.
0: <laughs> oh my God. Can you send that to me? Sure. Yeah. I never did a uh, spelling bee when I was a kid. That's for sure. Where did you send it? Oh, molybdenum
1: hold on (laughs) that's what i said but i think it's molybdenum let's just ask google i did and (laughs) i still am not sure of myself you asked google yeah i like got it to pronounce it for me i think it's molybdenum molybdenum yeah molybdenum yeah it looks like molly b denim but that's fine molybdenum that's like a good oh that would be a good drag name molly b denim molly b denim here (laughs) <laughs> He's like a little scientist. Love it. Okay, here's the full list. This same guy who invented Sheila's green discovered oxygen, molybdenum, tungsten, barium, hydrogen, and chlorine. He did? He discovered all of
0: them. Holy shit. Yeah. What was his name again? Carl Wilhelm Sheila. <laughs> I know.
1: <laughs> Sorry. I have to hear it one more time. I think he was born in like the netherlands but he always preferred just be german and his parents were german or something you know what's funny i don't even remember hearing that name at all when i was in school environmental science yeah i think at least one of them someone else like said they discovered before him like maybe someone else is technically credited with oxygen but in hindsight we know that it was actually
0: carl over here (laughs) yo my main boy carl thanks for finding out what we breathe in every day homie right
1: (laughs) yeah um I still don't like him, though, and you'll see why. Oh, God. So, Sheila was this successful scientist, and he'd created a very bright yellow a few years before, but someone had stolen the patent. So now, he's invented this green, and he's super excited. But he immediately knew that it would be harmful. A year before the color was commercially produced, he wrote a letter to a friend that he thought users might want to know about its poisonous nature. Of course, he ended up keeping his mouth shut because it made him a ton of money. What a surprise. Mm, sounds like every
0: cis white man, to be honest. I'm <laughs> just kidding, sorry. Yeah. Sorry, no, I like it. Men are cool. <laughs> sorry. I just don't like them This
1: is our podcast, and we can sexually... say what the fuck
0: you want. It's fine. Okay. I'm gay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. What a fucker. Like the one with arsenic. He's like just going to mass produce that shit because it's going to make him money.
1: Yeah. <sighs> And no, like I'm with a cis straight white man, so I can't really (laughs) sit here and say that I I don't hate all of them. And I know that neither do you, but we're gonna rag on them in this podcast a lot because that's a lot of what history was. (laughs) Is straight white men fucking shit up. Usually old ones.
0: (laughs) Usually the old ones. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, now you're an ageist. Okay, we're gonna get (laughs) cancelled before we even fucking begin. It's fine i don't
1: care if you don't like it don't listen i don't give a fuck um anyway that's so fucked. so yeah he clearly knew that it was going to be harmful in some way but he just didn't tell anyone even though he knew at this point while arsenic was a known poison they were still using it in medicine in small doses In 1786, they released something called Fowler's Solution, which contained arsenic, and was used to treat asthma, eczema, psoriasis, syphilis, tuberculosis, and ulcers. (laughs) So it was like a treat a lot of like skin stuff. Arsenic was later proven to be an effective treatment against cancer and is actually still used today. However, the amount they used at this time could also
0: cause cancer. Oh, God. (laughs) Yeah, see, that's the thing. Things that can kill you can also help you. Because what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. If you've never heard that. I,
1: <laughs> I don't I hate like that, that song. phrase. I hate that I song. I hate that phrase. It's anyway, so
0: dumb. I know it is stupid, but it's true. Maybe that's where it came from. It's from the fucking using arsenic. It's not true, though. That's not a true phrase. It could be. Think about it. What doesn't kill you. It could also you. very much not be. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. The arsenic med- that was helping people in ca- with cancer. It could make you stronger, but it could also kill you. It could also make you really sick, even if you don't die. Exactly. That doesn't make you
1: stronger! (laughs) Not to be cynical, but to be cynical. Um, (laughs) It was also used by men to increase libido, and it was ingested or applied by women to clear their complexion.
0: It's like when people say to put Windex on your face because it'll clear your acne. I'm like, oh my god. I was not familiar with that, but I won't be doing it. It's a joke. Like, I don't know. I think it's from like a movie or something. Oh, but okay. But I don't fucking know. This and, guy told me to do that. And I was like, okay, go fuck yourself. I like my pizza face the way it is. <laughs> it's just rude. Yeah. I'm sure someone's done
1: that though. I have a photo to show you here of Dr. Mountebanks arsenical lotion. I'm going to send you the photo and you can, uh check it out
0: (laughs) so she looks (laughs) fucking angry yeah she does looks like a talisman on her neck though cool
1: um my favorite part you can note that it specifically advertises itself as safe and absolutely harmless where (laughs) above her
0: head oh my god (laughs) safe absolutely harmless expensively perfumed
1: yeah um also (laughs) contains poison. poison. Yeah, so the fact that they wrote that on the container, I would say, is an indication that people already didn't fully trust that arsenic wasn't harmful. This also circles back to something I mentioned last week when we were discussing mummy medicine. There were zero regulations for what people could claim on their products. Oh, the times have changed. That's what you think. (laughs) Now, getting into the 1800s, in 1814, a slightly different version of Sheila's green is invented called Paris green. Green became in in Victorian society, so there was a huge demand. Both pigments were widely used in fabric, wallpaper, food coloring, drinks, flowers, paint, candles, and toys. And people were fully dying directly from the use of all of those items. Not like everyone was dying, but like at least a few people died from each thing. That's at least recorded. Like,
0: there was probably more, too. Oh, God. And they're probably like, oh, he just died of natural causes i mean no yeah sorry sorry that's so
1: fucking rude sorry guys it's i mean it's true though but people were also dying from things like cholera and there was very similar side effects from arsenic poisoning to cholera or other diseases that you could get and then die from Mm -hmm. so a lot of times when someone died from arsenic poisoning it was at least initially attributed to cholera jesus in the 1830s candles specifically were extra toxic because people found a way to make them with arsenic which was cheaper than wax oh my god but as the candles burned people would start getting headaches and there was at least one reported case of children being poisoned after attending a christmas party with green candles that's so scary though
0: (laughs) the witches back in the day i'm gonna hex them (laughs) here here's this nice candle i just perfectly handcrafted for you (laughs) I mean, people were just using them. It wasn't
1: like, oh, there's the toxic poison candle. It was like, here's a cheap candle, but it looks pretty. Here,
0: burn this in a very confined space.
1: (laughs) Oh, they already were doing that. You didn't have to tell them.
0: Do it in your car. (laughs) They didn't have cars. (laughs) Do it in your buggy. (laughs) Did they have fucking buggies? Yes. Okay, thank you.
1: Yeah, so after the kid died... People were like, let's not put arsenic in candles anymore. And that was the first acknowledgement in Victorian times that maybe arsenic wasn't a great ingredient to be using, but it didn't stop there at all. Sheila's green was, of course, used in paint, but unlike mummy brown, it was used on people's walls. Oh. No- yeah, so you were talking about painting a whole house with mummy brown. People would paint their whole house, every room with green. Oh my god. Like, for instance... <laughs> Napoleon painted every room in his house his favorite color, green. He died in 1821. People still debate if he died from stomach cancer or arsenic poisoning, but his body definitely had very high levels of arsenic in it when he died. Jeez. The bigger victim of green walls in the Victorian era was children, however. Not only did we give kids toxic toys, if their nursery was green, they were exposed to it literally from birth. And children also love to put everything in their mouth. So, guess what happened when the wallpaper was a little peeled or the paint had chipped? Let me guess. The kids ate it and then they
0: died. They sure fucking did. <laughs> that would be, yeah, that'd be me. <laughs> in the corn just eating the crusty paint. It's my time. <laughs> I'm due, but it's my time. (laughs) Uh,
1: I also wanted to mention that the 1900s, aka last century, had a similar problem, but with lead paint. Oh, God. And lead in gas and in plates and plumbing. And pencils. And also makeup. Let's just say we didn't learn.
0: (laughs) I still have pencil lead in my leg. Fun fact. (laughs) It's probably graphite. I fucking hope it's graphite because it's still in there. And I should be dead, probably, right? In your leg? Literally, it's in my leg.
1: There was also a mentality at the time that going away from your home would cure any illness that may be plaguing you at the time, (sighs) particularly consumption, but any sickness, really. Well, because the whole house is fucking toxic. Yup. Oh my god. This cure was only for the classes that could afford to visit their summer home, of course. Technically, if part of the problem was arsenic poisoning from your wallpaper, they were right that leaving would help unless, of course, the home they were temporarily staying in was also green. I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> they they didn't leave thinking the house is killing me because there's, you know, poison in the walls. So that's why I'm leaving. They just thought, like, getting
0: fresh seaside air would help. Okay, can I say something kind of fucked? What? my home my the childhood home I felt so ill all the time like my parents were sick like chronically mm-hmm. I was like so fucking tired all the time and like I felt so drained I know that there was actually some whack-ass spirits in there like mm-hmm. for sure like even the people after noticed that but I wonder if there's anything like there in that home that was like similar to this probably not fucking arsenic paint but like something scary chemical that we still don't know to be bad or something it could be asbestos it could be lead like it yeah. was so bad like i would sleep in forever like you know i'm an early burden and i get up and do my shit but like i could not i was so tired all the time like crazy my whole childhood
1: there could have been like bad circulation as well it could have been like carbon monoxide higher levels
0: of car- carbon monoxide i don't know there was definitely some scary spirits in there though mm. like scary but yeah, I always wondered that. Because whenever I would leave, that just reminded me of that. I would be like, oh, I feel so much better. And then i come back home and i am like, ugh. <laughs> yeah, there probably was
1: something going on. Aside from the spirits, there's probably something actually also... Like, physically? Affecting you, yeah. Yeah. Crazy. I mean, there was a time when, before there was, like, electricity, there was... There would be gas lights in the home, right? Like, you would have in the wall a little, like, gas would come out and you would light it. And there's a theory that a lot of the people that saw ghosts or thought they were in a haunted house, it was actually just that the gas was leaking in their house. Yeah, no, I've heard of that for sure. We definitely did not have a gas thing. Mm, Yeah, no, but like that's, I just think that's an interesting thing is that there were people who, there was cases of people who were like, I keep seeing ghosts, and then someone comes in and is like, Gas is fucking leaking
0: any- everywhere. Of course, you're seeing ghosts. Like, <laughs> you know what? Well, one time I almost got carbon monoxide poisoning, and I felt so fucking fucked up. Oh my god. How? Oh my god. Okay, I was sick, so I put Vicks all over my nose. Uh, uh, this is at a, an ex girlfriend's house, and then she put Vicks on her nose because she was sick too. And we were just so sleepy, like we felt high. Like I was seeing shit, not like spirits, but I was definitely seeing shit. And then her parents came in uh, from their date, and they're like, "Get out of the house." yeah because she left the fucking gas stove on oops oh <laughs> yeah the fire department came it was so scary. that was yeah that was gas yep
1: yeah so imagine that just like being in your house no did you ever read the yellow wallpaper in school <gasps> sylvia plath i don't yes. think it was sylvia plath yes
0: the yellow wallpaper by sylvia plath It's not Sylvia. Is it Sylvia Plath? Yes. I love Sylvia Plath. It's like a short story. And she actually, can I give you a fun fact? Yes. Fucking history, motherfucking buff over here. Yes. She, do you want to know how Sylvia Plath killed herself? Oh, I feel like I learned this, but I don't remember. So she barricaded her kids in their room with a fucking towel. Okay. Trigger warning. Seriously. Suicide. Anyway, sorry. She barricaded her children in her room with towels and then she went to the fucking oven turned it on put her head in it and suffocated herself i had heard that before but i hadn't remembered like what the fuck okay let's fact check that i'm almost 100 it's sylvia plath that wrote that i don't think it is it's like a short story though yeah
1: but i really love that short story so much and this has been making me think about it
0: oh no i'm wrong it's charlotte perkins gilman
1: yeah i couldn't remember the exact name of the author but i feel like i would have remembered if it was
0: sylvia plath wow i've been walking around saying fucking sylvia plath for that for years but yeah no i that was she goes insane in the room right yes not insane in quotations hysterical but we don't use that word because that's actually fucking disgusting anyways
1: no exactly and i'm really glad that you you know about that story because it's it's one of my favorites i still think about it and like this researching this has really been making me think about it for those who don't know, it's about a woman in the Victorian era that's put on bed rest after giving birth, and she slowly goes insane because nobody will let her do anything or leave her yellow wallpapered room. Arsenic was also used in yellow and blue dyes, so it's possible
0: that that could have been a factor. You know, I didn't know that. Yeah. But that's where the word hysterical comes from. Yeah. well, Is wound. that time. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah oh my god do you know what else they did sorry can I give you another fun fact that yes. I actually know yeah they would literally prescribe them vibrators yes and prescribe them orgasms to make them less in quotations hysterical yes. and especially for the time of the month too because like yeah she was probably having postpartum depression yes. or could have postpartum psychosis but I would say the postpartum depression part with arsenic walls looks yeah. disguises as psychosis for sure probably that is so crazy yeah
1: and actually, I have hysteria on my list of topics to cover, so yeah, you'll, you'll know a bit about that one when I cover it. Yeah, I, I still think about that um, short story sometimes, but this has really been making me think about it, researching this.
0: Yeah, no, same, actually. I do think about it sometimes, too. It's just so sad.
1: Of course, I also have to talk about the material that I'm most familiar with, fabric. Arsenic dye was commonly used on dresses, waistcoats, shoes, gloves, and trousers. I was going to say underwear, sorry. I was just like, in oh. underwear? Uh, Trousers were like pants. Oh. Yeah. I think it was used in socks and stuff, too. It could have been in undergarments.
0: do fuck your pH up for sure.
1: No, it wouldn't have been in undergarments because all the undergarments were just plain white.
0: Oh, true. Okay.
1: Yeah, so actually it wouldn't have been, but I'll, there's a photo I'll show you later where... um maybe it did mess up certain things (laughs) so yeah it was in all of these clothes but it only took a day of wearing them before people were clearly affected they would leave scabs sores and ulcers on the skin where the dye touched it can also make your hair fall out and would cause people to vomit blood before shutting down their livers and kidneys
0: and that beauty is pain, right?
1: <laughs> like what the hell? Really though. And that's just what happened to the higher class people that wore the garments. I'll tell you about the factory workers that handled it in a minute, but just because it's come up, I was going to send this photo to you later, but I'm just going to send it to you now. There's a photo where it's like a textbook showing the effects of arsenic dye touching your skin. And it's not pretty. It took me like a little bit of looking at it before I um noticed the oh the penis the big old dong <laughs> no. well it's a medical textbook so it's not that big but it's <laughs> it's the for balls sure are penis. bigger than the dong
0: <laughs> <laughs> ew I wonder if this is where the beauty is pain phrase came from I mean There was
1: definitely a lot of people going through pain for beauty from like the beginning of time. But my suspicion is that that would be from like the 50s. I don't know why, but I feel like that
0: phrase was from the 50s. Did you see the raincoat dong on the left? (laughs) The raincoat? (laughs) Yeah. It's got a turtleneck. Look at it. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. So that was what would happen when you would wear arsenic green. So I guess maybe some men didn't have underwear they just wore their green trousers right up against their uh area and then they would get blisters there
0: their area In their area you know
1: their penis penis does that make you
0: feel better yes Does <laughs> <'Cause laughs> we use terminology here no censoring we already talked about suicide and fucking unwrapping dead bodies and shit we can say penis <laughs>
1: <laughs> i don't know what this says about me but i'm much more comfortable saying like Death, suicide, killing over penis. I would rather say suicide than penis, and that's not a good thing.
0: You are dating a penis. (laughs) Just the penis. (laughs) Oh, my God.
1: Oh, no. If you can't tell, we kind of have cabin fever right now because it's, like, fucking literally negative 50 outside. It's minus (laughs) 525,600 degrees! And that's in Celsius, but I think negative 40 in Celsius and negative 40 in Fahrenheit are the same. Whoa. (gasps) Yeah, that's where they, like, match up. So back to the timeline. Aside from Sheila's Green, there was a lot of publicity in the 1830s and 40s on women who were using arsenic to poison their husbands. And... (laughs) <laughs> that's so something. That's so something I would have done. Oh. Okay, and are you ready for this? Mm-hmm. It created a bit of hysteria.
0: Fuck the patriarchy, honestly. I'm just kidding. Oh no, no. Just, just
1: here's my next sentence. Even though men committed about ninety percent of marital homicides, the real problem was obviously the few women that were poisoning their husbands.
0: You know, if somebody was gonna beat me like that, I would have poisoned them. Like way before they did probably
1: yeah like i'm not one to excuse murder but like my first thought when i hear that is just like what did they do they must have deserved it (laughs) i'm always on the women's side (laughs) what's that thing i saw recently someone post like my wife who has had four babies and zero
0: orgasms in the last year and cannot vote is is not mentally well oh my god i would not be mentally well either to be honest if i had no fucking orgasms four years and four children's pumped out of me are you serious (laughs) yeah that would give me hysteria for sure yeah i would need prescribed orgasms at that point (laughs) maybe a little bit arsenic for fun it's fine just to clear up your skin a little bit yeah just a little bit arsenic you know um yeah drinking arsenic (laughs)
1: It was true that women were more likely to use poison. It was odorless and tasteless, and women were the ones making the food, usually. It was also less violent and easier to cover up because people were dying from illnesses that had similar symptoms to arsenic poisoning all the time, like I'd said earlier. It was also easy to argue in court that arsenic was in the house for perfectly innocent reasons, since it was used as an aphrodisiac, a rat poison, and in makeup if their client was accused of murder— A lawyer could argue the wife was using it for her complexion, or the husband was using it for his vitality, or either were using it as rat poison. So honestly, it was a really smart way to kill someone. Hence why women would do it. Just saying. Just saying. (laughs) It was known by most to be an incredibly powerful poison, and so most people thought it would kill very quickly. A lot of people used it to kill themselves because of this, but in reality, it was a slow, painful death imagine
0: you're like oh it's my time and then you literally just oh, yeah slowly
1: yeah it was like you would eat it and nothing would happen for half an hour and then you would get like a really awful stomach pain and you would start throwing up and it was like really painful and awful
0: yeah I know what it sounds like when you take too many edibles <laughs> I
1: don't know what kind of reaction you're having, but I don't think that's a normal reaction.
0: To I said too many. No, it's not a normal reaction.
1: The most well-known case of this black widow trope was Madame Lafarge. To make a long story short, in 1840, her husband, Charles Lafarge, basically con turned her, her family into thinking he was really rich, but actually he was in debt and wanted the marriage dowry to help pay off the debts. Oh my god. Marie didn't see his house until right after they had wed and discovered that it was infested with rats and mold, so she immediately knew he hadn't been truthful. Well, I would have killed him at that point. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, she immediately knew he hadn't been truthful. She begged him to let her out of the marriage and threatened to kill herself with arsenic, but he wouldn't annul it. So she pretended that she was fine, and she wrote up a will bequeathing her husband her entire inheritance with the caveat that he would do the same for her. He did, but made another will without Marie's knowledge, leaving his property to his mother.
0: Oh, fucker. <laughs> that fucking
1: sucks. If he honestly had no suspicion, that's shitty.
0: Yeah, I know. And what is the lawyer going to do? Eeny, meeny, miny, now, <laughs> Which will should I go with? <laughs> I think the one that he wrote
1: for her was like somehow not valid. I don't know. Ugh. i know (laughs) it's funny how much like i'm always on the woman's side in this case even though it's like obviously not good to murder your husband i'm still like fuck yeah because the women were just so oppressed at the time yeah that it's like what other choice did they have you know
0: (laughs) i know it's like will he let me divorce him no bitch he won't so you're gonna fucking kill him okay (laughs) (laughs) that's the thing you the men had
1: the choice they could have said you're right i was being a dick i'll Annul the marriage but he didn't
0: it's women's survival guide 101 (laughs) keep arsenic in your purse
1: (laughs) so after the whole will situation she started giving him christmas cake and eggnog with arsenic in it and his family members did start to get suspicious as his illness that doctors diagnosed as cholera progressed rapidly also he was literally prescribed eggnog that was what the doctor prescribed him to
0: (laughs) you know what this will bring you joy please consume eggnog like what the hell
1: well like here's my symptoms doctor i'm really sick i'm throwing up i'm having diarrhea what should i do eat a carnivore diet eggnog when i'm throwing up and having diarrhea awful you could not force me to drink eggnog if that's how i was sick yeah ew (laughs) maybe with a little bit of nutmeg that'll make it better um well maybe but even before he died his family members were like suspicious that she was up to some shit which she was during the trial they had some inexperienced chemists perform a test on samples from charles body that had just been invented in 1836 the test had just been invented called the marsh test that would detect arsenic the chemists found no trace of it on his body They did find a lot of it in the food samples, though, which gave the prosecution enough evidence to ask that an actual expert on the Marsh test perform it again on the samples from the body. Of course, it turns out the chemist had been doing it wrong, and there was definitely lots of arsenic in the (laughs) body as well.
0: I was going to say, inexperienced chemist there. (laughs) I mean, yeah. So
1: Marie Lafarge was convicted, and it became quite the pop culture reference. People would sometimes refer to someone being poisoned with arsenic as being (laughs) Lafarged. Yo,
0: what a way to make yourself known in history, though.
1: Yeah. All these poisoning trials and news coverage about arsenic poisonings prompted lawmakers to put in place the 1851 Sale of Arsenic Act, which still didn't stop it from being sold, but required records of who purchased it and for what purpose, so if there was a poisoning, there would be a paper trail. There were still lots of incidents of poisoning after this fact, both purposeful and by accident. So... The records only did so much. It's like having a gun registry, right? Like, people st- still have the gun and can still shoot people with it. No, that's fair. The next huge incident with arsenic was in 1858, and it was called the Bradford Sweets Poisoning.
0: Bradford Sweets Poisoning? Let me guess. Let me guess. It was putting candy. Yes. So... Ah, couldn't have guessed by sweets. <laughs> there was a candy maker
1: that normally added plaster of Paris to his candy as a substitute for sugars to decrease the cost of manufacture. He sent his apprentice to a pharmacist to buy some plaster of Paris. The pharmacist was sick and told his assistant to give the apprentice the white stuff in the barrel in the corner and there were two corners with barrels of white stuff and the assistant
0: went to the arsenic corner, unfortunately. (laughs) Oh my fucking god. Let me guess, all these kids died? I would have died. I I eat all the candy all the time. It was a lot of arsenic.
1: Um, The candy maker was very ill after making the peppermint humbugs, which is the candy. And they looked a little funny, but they didn't suspect the illness that the candy maker had after making them was related because everyone was just sick all the time anyway. Yeah. 20 people died after eating the sweets. I saw some reports that said 21, but you know. And over 200 became incredibly sick. Oh my God. The pharmacist's assistant, and later the candy maker and pharmacist, were put on trial, but they were all eventually acquitted. I'm going to send you, this is an illustration from a newspaper about the event. This is called The Great Lozenge Maker. It's depicting a skeleton man with a mortar and pestle. And there's a box labeled plaster of Paris to one side of him and a barrel labeled arsenic on the other side. (laughs) Yeah, that's a little bit morbid. (laughs) Yeah. Why would they do that? I kind of feel bad, though, because, like, the the candy maker himself had no... He wasn't even there when they got the arsenic. So it wasn't like he didn't... But he did also make the candy. So, like, he probably... He noticed that they were, like, funky and weird. So he should have probably noticed something about that.
0: Well, like, do you know... Let me see... Placer Paris. I said you were banned from Googling things. Well, I'm just seeing, is it consumable? Because he's already an asshole then. It's,
1: well, there was a lot of stuff at the time that they would sort of cut flour and stuff with to make things cheaper. And you kind of have to assume that it was harmful in some way, but they wouldn't have really known.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like that's like toxic probably anyway. So he's already a dick, but he's an extra dick for letting somebody put arsenic in his candies.
1: Yeah. This illustration, as well as all photos we mentioned during the episode, will be on our Instagram. So, by the early 1860s, people were seriously starting to question if arsenic was safe. But there were a lot of people who denied that it was harmful at all, specifically people who were profiting from it. And there hadn't really been any full scientific studies on it, so technically there wasn't any hard evidence that it was harmful yet, except for, you know, all the poisonings? pretty pretty good evidence to me but who knows the bradford Sweet's poisoning happened in 1858 and that illustration that i showed you of the effects that happened on the skin was from 1859 Oof. and they were still using it into the 1860s and stuff well
0: why though so they like they clearly knew yeah like you know something's going on yeah like, this isn't just a coincidence it's a direct correlation <laughs> yeah the
1: next largely publicized case of death from arsenic was in 1861. It was a 19 year old factory worker named Matilda Scherer that painted artificial leaves green. I'm just going to read a quote from the historian Alison Matthews David that sums up what happened before she passed away. She vomited green waters, the whites of her eyes turned green, and she told her doctor that everything she looked at was green. Oh my god! and then she died wait so wait did she consume it well she was breathing it in because she was like painting Painting. the dust onto fake leaves to make like fake flowers
0: that's so sad yeah it's really so fucking scary yeah so that was like the factory workers that were working with it every day were totally fucked yeah factory workers there's so many scary chemicals the isocyanides like i worked with that's like one of the most dangerous chemicals it was like a foam factory Oof, foam is so dangerous. I worked there for maybe what two or three days max, and then I was like, "This is so fucked." Like nobody's wearing proper PPE at all when they're working with this stuff. Like they're and you had to get like lung tests and everything. Like That's every six not months, a good sign. It's like you know when people work with asbestos and stuff. Like you have to get lung tests every six months, and if you get exposed, you have to get tested like every month or something for the rest of your life. So if you get exposed, they're like, if you, you can get exposed, still work here though. Yeah. Wait, what do you mean?
1: If they go, oh, there's um, asbestos in your lungs now. They're not like, you can't work here anymore. They're like, we'll just keep checking you.
0: Yeah, no, for real. That's insane. I know. They would do like, yeah, I had to get a lung test before I worked there. And then I would have to get a lung test like, yeah, all the time. So I was like, you know what? This is actually fucking psychotic and I'm not going to do this at all.
1: That's so scary. And that's yeah. like modern day. Think of how bad it was back then, especially the fake flower industry. At the time, there was a lot of child labor. So a lot of kids, again, oh. were working with this green dye and other harmful chemicals.
0: Jesus.
1: Um, and so after that factory worker, Matilda, died there was a bit of a decline in hats or in in, um, in flowers. The flowers would usually go on hats. That's why I said oh <laughs> hats. There were still lots of hats. They just put, they started to put other things other than flowers on, so. Oh my God. I have another photo that I wanted to show you. This is one of my favorite Victorian illustrations ever. And it's what introduced me to
0: the concept of arsenic green. Okay. You know I love a good skeleton. <laughs> The arsenic waltz yo peep the fucking poison sign on her dress at the bottom she it's like a trail oh the poison skull and crossbones yeah. yeah
1: it's an illustration from a newspaper in 1862 labeled the arsenic waltz the new dance of death and depicts a female skeleton in a big poofy dress and a male skeleton in a suit i love this illustration so much but again it also shows that it was widely you know known known at this point especially that the arsenic
0: clothing and all this stuff was like really dangerous and, and poisonous i mean there's like a lot of things even this like to this day that are really poisonous that we still continue to use so like different pesticides herbicides i i will uh, get to that i promise neonicotinoids <laughs> okay sorry <laughs> were you gonna talk about that not ne- what is that neonicotinoids or neonics no i oh, don't know okay. that it's like what ke- killed the bee population oh okay yeah gotcha. colony collapse Ooh, rough for the bees <laughs> ruff, ruff. <laughs> sorry.
1: there's one other guy i want to talk about his name is william morris he was a designer artist poet activist novelist which sounds impressive until you also learn he was a total trust fund baby K trump yeah um his whole thing is basically sounding good on paper but not actually following through on any of his morals okay trump again yeah <laughs> sorry Maybe we should talk about politics. Well, that's all all politicians, honestly, but yes, especially that. For instance, Morris actively campaigned for safer working conditions for textile manufacturers, and he felt strongly about using organic dyes because he was a big advocate for environmentalism and anti-pollution. But he was also the heir to the world's largest copper mine, which produced arsenic dust as a byproduct of mining activity. The mine caused a huge amount of environmental damage to the land around it so much for caring for the environment yeah i mean that's oh my god that makes me so mad yeah this guy seriously pisses me off also when miners were reporting illness from working in the mines and many of them were dying from lung disease he famously told doctors who brought these concerns to him that they were bitten by witch fever essentially calling the doctors crazy for claiming that arsenic was harming the miners (laughs) so morris's (laughs) advocacy for workers rights was complete bullshit too. <sighs> witch fever. Bitten by witch fever, basically saying, like, you're crazy. Yeah.
0: I love the gaslighting that he just did there.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And people still quote, that's like one of the quotes that he's most known for because <sighs> he was completely wrong that they were wrong.
0: He's like, whatever, it's just going to make me so much money. Just keep working, guys. You're fine.
1: This guy in particular makes me so mad because I can see the same mentality in politicians today. Like it's really giving old white guy that denies that COVID exists because it's inconvenient for him and his businesses would maybe not do so well for a minute. Or Elon Musk, who is touted as this environmental savior because he makes electric cars, but his frequent private jet flights alone produce more emissions than like a quarter of the United States population.
0: Yeah, I know. And then plus the cars, like, yeah, they're environmentally friendly, but the materials used and the batteries and like all that stuff, it's not the best for the environment.
1: For sure. And he backs right-wing politicians that are climate change deniers. So, like, (laughs) seriously. Sorry for getting on my soapbox here, but I do think it's really important to relate our history to modern day. I just wish we would actually learn from it. Yeah. Amen. I tried to find some stuff on Canada, but like it's harder to find. So we're just talking America pretty much right now. In America, there is still the mentality of protecting business over consumers, which means that new products with harmful chemicals will be approved to be released and only recalled once someone proves that it's harmful. Versus in the European Union, things won't be released until they're tested and they have a lot more chemicals banned than the States does. It's harder to find info on what Canada does, but from what I can tell, it's somewhere in the middle which is like everything Canada does. <laughs> Somewhere in the middle between America and the European Union.
0: No, I know. And I was going to say, you know what else? Okay, I know that this is a bit sidetracked and this is the last time I'm going to do this and I want to look it up a little bit. But can you remember when we <laughs> made bath bombs? Like yeah. my tarot bath bombs or whatever? And we used that chemical polysorbate 80 to help mix the color into the, like the dye color yeah. into the dry mixture. Mm-hmm. Do you know that that is in a lot of the food that we eat? no i didn't that particular chemical yeah i looked up the msds on that it is bad like you are not supposed to consume that but it's in our food again it's like reminds me the arsenic thing it's like okay in the very small amounts it can actually help cure cancer but then other times it could kill them like it's literally like in candy it's in dressings it's in like so many different things that's crazy It's fucking gross. It's nice to think that the use
1: of arsenic and other harmful chemicals in products is long in the past, but like you were just saying, actually, they're not. Uh, Just last year, a study found that huge makeup and hair care brands in the U.S. contain lead, arsenic, and formaldehyde, just to name a few, particularly in products marketed towards people with darker skin tones. So there is literally still arsenic, lead, all this harmful shit in stuff that we put on our skin today
0: no yeah no literally
1: last year there was a study on it
0: yeah what the fuck do you have any brands can we look this up i don't want to be wrong i think one of them was l'oreal what is it literally named arsenic or is it like something fucked up i don't i just don't think they put it in their
1: ingredient list which is illegal but um let me find the article on it Yeah, there was a dark tint CoverGirl pressed powder foundation. So CoverGirl is the one that's listed here a bunch.
0: CoverGirl Clean Fresh Pressed Powder? Yeah. Tested contain lead and arsenic exposure to three chemicals, carries risks like brain damage, cancer, and reproductive harm? Yeah. Yeah, the Black Radiance Pressed Powder Foundation and CoverGirl Continuous Color Lipstick. You're literally eating it. Yep so typically these are the limits for color additives used in cosmetics arsenic not more than 3 ppm which is like parts per million which
1: is like why is it allowed at all lead not more than
0: 20 ppm why Why? is it allowed at all i know this is so fucked it should be zero the the limit should be no you can't (laughs) Yet yeah, March 4th, 2023, a state-funded study found that there was lead, arsenic, and formaldehyde in makeup, lotion, and hair straightening products that made, made by CoverGirl and other brands. Yep.
1: Okay, we can't deep dive on it now, Sorry, but... Sorry, that's so fucked up. I know, I know, and... Please, like... <sighs> everyone listening do your own research
0: and find products Oh wow,
1: your products <laughs> there's probably products that you're using that contain
0: that kind of stuff we should honestly look through ours as well i was gonna say i know i have so much makeup yeah oh my god maybe we should just go to sephora and buy like all the eco-friendly ones i
1: don't even think that would guarantee i think you would still have to research it but your skin is so perfect i have to wear foundation and oh. I mean, technically the arsenic for women's complexions did work, but as soon as you stopped ingesting it or applying it, then your skin would get like really fucked up again. So it's not like that stuff didn't work. So even what I'm putting on my skin, if it's making my skin clear, I don't know for sure that it's not harmful. It could be
0: no that's so fair i also feel like there was this one product that i used that gave me liver pains every time i would use it that's so scary what no like so bad and then i like looked into it and that actually can cause like acute liver toxicity what the fuck i know and you know what i don't want to say the name brand but if i say what it is it's gonna whatever just cut this part out yeah I think that's the one that i use yeah that hurts my liver so bad it made my skin look fantastic but i was in so much pain and that summer that i had all those stomach issues like i literally was like they took a biopsy nothing was physically wrong but i was like writhing in pain and every time i would use it i would get like pains that's really scary i have to check if that's the one that i use because that is also a technical like that's an ingredient that we can consume as well Right, but it's not good for us to consume, but we're allowed to? I don't know. It's in a lot of things and natural food products for sure.
1: Yeah, I shouldn't say allowed to. Like, it is it is allowed to be put in, even though it maybe shouldn't be. Yeah. Back to Morris for a minute. As an artist, he also, of course, manufactured quite a lot of green wallpaper. <laughs> and wouldn't switch away from using Sheila's green until way after the general consensus was that it was harmful in the 1870s. He finally stopped. As much as he advocated for using organic dyes, the organic green dyes just weren't as pretty as the poisonous Sheila's green, and what's a little arsenic when you have some wallpaper to sell? <laughs> oh my god. Ugh. It wasn't until the 1890s that the last wallpaper company stopped using green dye containing arsenic, and in 1895, there was finally regulations in factories that used arsenic. By then, the public had already made Sheila's green obsolete by demanding products that were arsenic-free, which is really good. They voted with their wallets, you know, that's what we should be doing too. By the end of the 1800s, the new green dye was cobalt green, which gives a similar bright hue but is far less toxic. Still kind of toxic, but an improvement, I suppose. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Arsenic complexion wafers could still be purchased into the 1920s, though. So you could still eat arsenic for your skin, like... Into well into the 1900s. Oh my god! By the end of World War One, they had created much better options for green dyes, and that's my overview of the weird relationship Victorians had with arsenic. I hope you found it as interesting as I do. Now, I have a spiritual question for you, Sabrina, that relates to what we've been talking about. Okay. What kind of spell would you do to get rid of toxicity in your life? That's not poisoning
0: the other person. Hmm, okay, that's a good question. It depends. If you don't want them in your life anymore... So, I would probably perform a banishing spell, which basically I would just rid their energy from my energy field. Or, I would do a cord cutting. Honestly, I probably would do both. But, yeah, cord cutting is, like, really good for cutting any negative energy out of your life or out of your auric field. Or if you have, like, a particular person in mind, you could cut their cord that they have attached to you so i would do that for sure okay that seems
1: like a much better solution i like that yeah we don't need to kill our husbands not Not anymore (laughs) that brings us to the end of our third episode thank you so much if you've continued listening and if you want to hear more about the weirdest aspects of the victorian era please subscribe and leave us a review you can find us at conjuring curiosities on instagram and tiktok I will have the photos from this episode posted. If you have any suggestions for future topics you want to hear covered, or if you want some spiritual advice answered by Sabrina, send us a DM on the podcast accounts. My personal social media accounts are Clara's Vintage Closet on both Instagram and TikTok.
0: And mine is Modern Witch Alchemy on Instagram and TikTok. Thanks again for listening, and stay curious.
1: Conjuring Curiosities is researched and edited by Clara Herbert with spiritual advice provided by Sabrina the Modern Day Witch. All sources are listed in the show notes. Our disclaimer is written and narrated by John Kennedy and our theme music is Pumpkin Hollow by Pecan Pie.